It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. You're listening to C103's Cork Today podcast. Phone and text lines are currently closed. As we welcome you along uh, to the programme, and of course you can always email the programme Cork Today at uh, c103.ie. A lot about money and spending and spending habits making the news today. I know there's a report out saying retailers are predicting an extra 1.1 billion spend in the month of uh, December. And if that comes to pass, it'll be 5% up on what we spent last year. So there certainly is money out there to be spent this uh, Christmas. But access to money is making the front pages in in some of uh, the papers with the news that Banks and the people, the operators of ATM machines, they could actually now be forced to reinstall cash machines, particularly cash machines that were taken out of towns and villages. And this is all to do with this access to money laws that we know the finance minister, Michael McGrath, he's been talking about this for quite some time. He's always said that people, if they want to deal in cash, they should be allowed to deal in cash and they should have access to cash. So he's finalising draft legislation. And when this last draft legislation goes through, it would guarantee that members and the public and businesses would have access to cash in this country. The laws, for example, will set maximum distances between cash machines, and that's going to be particularly important in rural areas. Uh, the notion behind that is that people wouldn't have to travel too far if they wanted to withdraw cash from a machine. Now, the downside to that is there's talks that in larger towns and cities, the number of ATM machines will be linked to the population. Now, some of the people who are against this are saying that could end up with larger towns and cities might not have enough ATM machines and it could mean there's going to be queues outside ATM machines in larger urban areas. But it would mean people in rural areas uh, would have a minimum, um, there would be a maximum distance of which they could travel to in order to get to an ATM machine. Now, Michael McGrath is setting out uh, essential services. Now, these, what, 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 will fall under essential services. These are uh, businesses um, that would have to provide customers with the option of paying in cash. Now, they're talking, for example, that the likely list, there will be a list of essential services. The obvious ones are going to be things like grocery shops and pharmacies. They would have to be have to uh, take cash. They would not be allowed to put up a sign saying card uh, only. The national payment policy is also expected to require public services to accept and at all times to facilitate the acceptance of cash. And of course, that came to a bit of a head earlier this year. Remember the NCT where we go to get our car tests um, every year or every two years? Uh, Atlas Plus, they're the contractor for the NCT in this uh, country. They announced earlier this year that the vehicle testing service was going to move to cashless payments and you had to pay by uh, card. However, the company was forced to reverse that decision and there was a number of political uh, interventions, including from the Minister of State at the Department of Transport, Jack Chambers. So that decision was uh, reversed. And while the move towards contactless payments 
obviously they very much accelerated during the pandemic. I mean, at one point during the pandemic, 84% of all point of sale transactions were done electronically. But that was very much tied in with people where some people were afraid to handle uh, cash. But Minister McGrath is adamant that people should always have the option to pay in cash if that is their uh, preference. Now, ahead of the new strategy coming into force, the Minister has already written to all of his government colleagues and he's asking that all bodies under their remit must maintain existing payments where you can pay by card, you can pay electronically if you want, but they've got to allow for members of the public to be able to pay in cash. According to the Central Bank, 73% of Irish adults use an ATM machine regularly and that figure surprised me. I didn't think it would be as high as 73% who withdraw cash because, you know, even people I think that go completely do all of their business electronically, I think most of us like to have some cash on us just in case because I keep coming across going into a business wanting to pay for something on my card only to discover that the card machine is down and if on one occasion I didn't have cash so I had to leave uh, the shop so you know you always like to have a little bit of cash uh, with you but 73% that's a high number of people are still withdrawing cash uh, regularly but the, the amount of money that has been withdrawn that is less it's fallen by 33% since 2020. Now that would tie in with the start of uh, COVID. And despite changing patterns, so the Minister for Finance, Michael McGrath, wants to ensure that access to cash remains protected in this uh, country. And that's why he's pressing ahead with this bill. It's called Access to Cash Bill. Campaigners say that having access to cash is particularly important to the elderly people. It's also very important to those on a lower income who want to deal only with cash so they know exactly how much they have. And obviously there's other vulnerable groups uh, as well. Age Action, for example, uh, they fight obviously on behalf of an advocate on behalf of of our older population. They've reported that 65% of people over the age of 65 experience digital exclusion which has an impact on their ability to access online banking or contactless uh, payments. And again, that's a high figure, 65% of those over 65. And that means they obviously, that proportion of people are much more reliant on uh, cash. And there still is about 30% of social welfare recipients. They continue to go to their post office every week uh, to pick up their social welfare payments. So obviously they deal in uh, cash. Now, the legislation is at uh, an advanced stage and it's due to be published relatively soon. Now, there will be a cohort of people who will be very, very happy with that. And of course, what's good about this is people who want to go cashless, people who want to stay doing everything electronically, they can continue to do so. It's not going to affect them in any way, but it's going to give those people who want to use cash only, it's going to give them the ability to do so and the protection uh, to do so. And then staying on uh, cash, there is another uh, story that is is making the headlines today. And this is a survey that's come out on, on behalf of the European Commission. And it reveals that across the European Commission, 66% of all EU citizens in the Eurozone support the withdrawal of our smallest coins. That's the one and two cent uh, coins. And by getting rid of it then, you'd have a mandatory rounding up or down of prices for goods and uh, services. So 66% across the Eurozone. Here in Ireland, there's even more. 70% of Irish people 
are in favour of getting rid of those two smaller uh, denominations of the euro. And that actually has gone up by 5% since a similar survey was done last year. This is the seventh highest level of support for reducing the number of euro coins that we have in our pockets, our purses, our, our, our wallets. And we obviously are above the EU average of 66. Now, support for the abolition of the coins is interesting across the EU zones. For example, only 55% of people in Spain want to get rid of the one and two cent coins. But it goes as high as 86% of people in Slovakia. They want rid of the one and two cent coins. The very young and the very old they were the age groups most in favour of removing the smaller value uh, coins. Now, there are 1.1 billion one cent coins in circulation in Ireland. And when it comes to two cent coins, they reckon there's 824 million uh, of them. The central bank has said that the one and two cent coins actually cost more to mint than what their face value actually is. And of course, we know that no new coins of the one and two cent denominations have been produced since uh, 2015. And 2015 was when rounding up and rounding down to the nearest five cent for cash transactions, that that was introduced. That, of course, then led to a surplus of um, one and two cent coins. At the time, though, in 2015, 1.26 million unwanted coins were returned to the central bank. The one and two cent coins will always remain legal tender and the central bank has stated that it is no plans to completely remove them. Almost 19,000 adults across 20 EU member states where the currency is the euro were surveyed for their attitude of the, of the currency. They were asked about a number of things to do with the euro. This was just one of the questions. Do you want rid of the one and two cent coins? But the research found that support for the euro remains particularly high. 79% of all respondents claimed that the single currency is a good thing for the EU and it's also a great thing when you're travelling. You don't have to change any of your currencies when you're travelling across the EU. So would you be in favour of getting rid of the one and two cent uh, coins or are you one of those ones that has a jar at home that's bursting full of one and two cents coins your thoughts welcome to insurance companies have been accused of uh, taking the public and politicians for a ride after it emerged premium rates have started to creep up again despite a collapse in claims try to find out what's going on I'm joined by Brian Handley and Brian is with the Alliance for Insurance Reform good morning to you Brian Good morning. And you're, you're very welcome to the programme. Are you hearing of insurance premiums going up across the board and is it both for businesses and motor and home insurance? Yes. So, what we're, I mean, they're both have slightly different situations insofar as with motor, there had been some reductions arriving from all the reforms that had made and the reduction in volume of claims and size of awards, although uh, recent data from the CSO suggests that that has stalled and maybe there has been a slight modest increase in motor insurance premiums. Anecdotally, (laughs) I'm hearing higher than the modest increase being proposed. Um, But when it comes to public liability, there has been, um, people are still paying stubbornly high prices and there have been no reductions. And this is in the context, remember, of the Personal Injuries Assessment Board report, which came out last week. Um, Now, we'd know that the Volume of claims and the size of awards are obviously real key indicators in terms of premiums. Well, the volume of claims decreased for the third successive year, down 14% on last year's figures. And there has been a 41% decrease on claims volumes compared to pre-pandemic levels in 2019. General damages were 41% lower as well on average compared to 2022. 
And I thought a particularly interesting statistic, and one that was cited by Minister Dara Cleary from the PIAB report, was a €40 million Euro saving in avoided litigation costs by going through PIAB. Whoa! Now, yeah. Now, with public liability premiums remaining stubbornly high, it's not unreasonable to ask where has that €40 million gone? And I think the government needs to ask tougher questions of insurance companies about it. Yeah, because that PIAB report, lowest figures in, in 16 years. I mean, I'm assuming even PIAB are saying that premiums should be falling. That's right. The report um, did make clear reference that, you know, with the, with these savings, it should create a much more favourable market for consumers because the numbers are quite sub- substantial, really. I mean, the total value of awards has reduced by 139 million since 2019. Um, and obviously, we did, you know, we did note this is in the context of a number of insurers uh, releasing dividends or paying dividends and, and showing high profits this year. And yet when it comes to public liability in particular, and that's, every, you know, businesses and charities and community groups and sporting groups, um, they are not seeing any meaningful reduction in their premiums, which obviously is, makes it very difficult in terms of carrying on business or trying to grow and expand or develop uh, their services. And we, we do pay very high premiums relative to other countries as well. I mean, a survey that uh, some case studies that we undertook in the Alliance earlier this year, I think, made for a kind of pretty stark reading. So we compared the premiums for equivalent sized organisations in different sectors. So a pub in Northern Ireland was paying the equivalent of €2,600, while its counterpart here was paying six times that. At seventeen thousand five hundred euros. Yeah, yeah, and and that then the knock-on effect of that is that isn't just the pub owner that's affected. The knock-on effect is we're all affected because that pub owner has to increase the prices in order to cover his costs. We all pay. Yeah, we all pay. I mean, there was uh, the three. Another example: the three Zipit tree adventure parks in Cork and Dublin and Roscommon currently pay a combined annual premium of a quarter of a million euro. The six Natter Veget tree adventure parks in Germany pay three thousand euro between them. It's just not. Um, it's not sustainable. And when we're seeing these awards, and remember too that th- these are some of the pie up figures. But we've had reports from the court service indicating a, you know, a significant drop in the number of high court personal injury claims. We've had um, the duty of care introduced, which has really changed the risk profile of organisations in the context of public liability because people now have to take much more responsibility for their own safety Mm. and their own behaviour. We've had the judicial guidelines which directly feed into the the lowering of the size of awards that we talked about a second ago. And then we've had the Guards Insurance Fraud Unit. It's been everything the insurers said they needed for premiums to come down and we just haven't seen it. Yeah, it, it it really is is unfair because you know I mean we we can give out about the government you know uh, for for a host of different things, but in fairness, when it comes to insurance and the insurance industry, they have done everything that was asked of them. That's right. And look, when we were talking to the government, we made it very clear, and I think they 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 understood that it's not enough that reforms have been introduced and there was an action plan to address insurance and no doubt we'll we'll hear in the next few weeks that 65 of the 66 actions have been completed but the only measure of success is affordable cover for all and so in that context we still have a lot to do to deliver on insurance reform in this country. And and because of that, businesses are still struggling to you know come up with the premium every year. And let's not forget community organisations who, in many many cases here in Cork, we hear they have to go out and fundraise to raise this money. They do absolutely. I mean, there was a very prominent uh, 
national radio campaign about the importance of the circular economy going on at the moment. And yet a significant number of organisations directly involved in the reuse and recycling um, are subjected to crippling premiums, uh, which are increasing year on year. That's if they can get cover at all. Look, it's understandable the government is promoting uh, those types of initiatives around the circular economy, but it needs to do more to help bring it, bring it about by actually tackling the, the, the insurance issues that they have. And that extends right throughout the community and voluntary sector um, where you know and I think sometimes they'll, they'll run into difficulty that their oh their, their turnover has increased by virtue of a, a grant or something like that but that's that's not a, an increase in football maybe it's it or and therefore an increase in risk oftentimes they've had to increase their prices because of inflation or to meet the the higher insurance premiums that be, they're being charged so they're kind of losing whichever way they whichever way they turn and really, the government does need to hold insurers' feet to the fire to pass on the savings from these reforms because they weren't introduced solely for the benefit of insurance companies. Yeah, it wasn't to allow insurance companies to make a bigger profit, says you. Um, and then when it comes to bill to home insurance, everybody's seeing an increase in the home insurance, but that's explained by building costs are, are much more uh, expensive. And that's why we're all seeing a rise in home insurance. I gather that that's exactly the 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 issue is it's the it's the building costs um which has led to an increase there but they all need to be kept under cl- you know close monitoring and we have far better data than we used to have in terms of uh the size of awards or the costs uh indeed the the central bank will be publishing its own uh report for 2022 on motor premiums and that's coming out later this week um which we're all waiting to see what will happen there uh, and in another month, we will see the liability reports for for employer and public liability as well as property. And, uh, you know, this data is important in helping us to track and monitor what's happening in the sector uh, to see whether premiums are sta- staying stagnant or coming down or going up. Because in the context of the reduced number of claims and the size of awards, really, there's no excuse now but for these things not to be passed on in some meaningful and sustained way. Like it won't be enough for you know a modest decrease or for things to stand still and human natures were almost relieved you know stand still one year but that's not good enough it's not and a five percent reduction on you know on on an 80 percent increase in the previous few years is not is me is is relatively meaningless so this any reductions that do arrive from all these savings and reforms they have to be meaningful and they have to be sustained over a period of time Okay, listen we leave it there uh, Brian uh, continue good luck with the work that you do at the Alliance for Insurance for Reform but thank you for joining us on the programme this morning oh, Thanks very much indeed Good morning to you uh, Brian Handley uh, there uh, 0818 103 103 John Paul taking your calls Court today on C103 With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance CMIG.ie Last week we had some very angry calls and texters from listeners uh, when it was announced that 38 GAA games next year will be broadcast behind the GAA Go paywall. Former GAA President and MEP for the South Sean Kelly is also critical of the move and he says there is an unhealthy the monopoly offered to RTE by the GAA. And Sean Kelly joins me to discuss this in more detail. Good morning to you, Sean. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, and you're welcome. Do you agree that us here in Cork feel very hard done by three of the four Munster Senior Hurling Championships not available free to air? Yeah, I absolutely do. Because I think uh, the Munster Hurling Championship has been the best competition of the lot in the last number of years, and that including the All-Ireland Series. 
And next year, the Munster Championship, particularly with Limerick going for an unprecedented five in a row, and Cork uh, having won under 20 last year and being so close to Limerick, unlucky to be beaten. I think there's a huge interest in those games and to have them, as you said, not available on free-to-air, I think it's a mistake. But unfortunately, that isn't the whole pile that we can do it at this stage because last year, those who were critical of the GA Go, the fundamentals are the same. Uh, RT have monopoly. And then people have to purchase and watch the game on some digital platform. And for a lot of people, elderly people in particular, people who didn't get the chance to develop skills of that nature or who mightn't have access for one reason or another to the platform, then they cannot uh, be facilitated to watch the games of their own counties. And I think that's a pity. And I would hope that while only one redeeming feature is, I think, that the GA have a contract and they can do much about it until that contract is up. But certainly when that contract is up, there would have to be uh, an end to the monopoly and less uh, of a causing up, if you might call it, between RTE and the GA because RTE can select the games they want to put on uh, the free-to-air. They can select the games I think they can put on the paywall. And, of course, uh, also... Another thing I would be worried about as well, I think it's very unfair to the likes of TG Cahar. They do a fantastic job for club games and for league games, but they get no looking at all when it comes to the inter-county championships. So there's an element of unfairness there. So I would like to see, as you say, the monopoly broken and having more games available on normal screening on television. Yeah, and I think that's why it's important that uh, people like yourselves and and ordinary members of the public, the grassroots GAA supporters, need to speak out and need to let Croke, Croke Park know that they really are not happy with it. I mean, depending on how matches uh, play out, we have the real possibility that the Cork Kerry football match will be behind a paywall. Yeah, I agree. And I think uh, you'd wonder who selected these games and why you would think that they might be the most attractive from a point of view of uh, getting revenue through GA Go. That's the reason they were selected. I think you're absolutely right. It's just very important now that uh, fans and above all, uh, officials at county board level, uh, right throughout the county or the country, would make their views known so that when it comes to negotiating the next media rights for our games, that uh, all these things are taken into consideration. Because it's quite clear as well, Patricia, since the split season and the ex- increasing games to round robins, etc., and the new championship format now in football, which I hate a big say in proposing, but I'm very pleased with, there are a pile of games now, too many games, and the one short period to be covered by basically one media outlet RT. They just couldn't do it. It's impossible. Mm. Yeah, because I know last week, Larry McCarthy, you know, who holds the role you once held, he's the current president of the GAA. He defended the move saying, look, if we don't stream these matches on GAA Go, then no one will get to see them except for those attending. I mean, does he have a point? Well, in fairness to Larry, I mean, he's, uh, this is last year as president, so he, his hands were essentially tied. And he has a point in that regard because uh, the contract is there. He can break the contract as a president. But what I'm saying is, <clears throat> now that we see the way it's functioning, it's totally different to the way it started out. Diego was essentially for the diaspora, 
they were able to watch games abroad. I did it myself one year when I was couldn't get home because of COVID, and it was fantastic. But it's a different story altogether when people in Ireland are now the main people who are expected to benefit from GA Go, when in the past they would have all those games available on TV. And, and I think that's an interesting point uh, about when it was launched, as you say, it was launched for, for the diaspora abroad. And I remember being in the south of France on holidays <coughs> and watching a Munster final on GAA Go and be very, being very thankful, had no problems paying whatever it was, 12 euro or and what it was at the time, but was, was thrilled with it. But was it ever spoken about that it would be introduced here at home? Well, I wasn't aware of it, but in fairness, I wasn't involved that much. But at the same time, it, does, it caught us all by surprise, essentially. We didn't expect it, and then it was announced, and then people found that they weren't able to sometimes get the games. And also, I think the, the charge is a bit steep, 12 euro a match. Now, in fairness to the them, they have brought in packages for people who would be interested in a good few games, and they're quite attractive. But at the same time, Patricia, the vast majority of people in the championship They follow their own team. They're not too concerned about uh, giving up their time to uh, watch other games on on the platform. Once their own team is involved, they follow them. And Cork are probably the best supporters in Ireland, Mm -hmm. traditionally. Hurling and football, they're wonderful to follow them. And I think uh, maybe that was maybe one of the reasons, from a commercial point of view, they saw that these would be good games to have because they would make a lot of uh, dough by having them on uh, the platform because they know that the Cock fans would be coming in droves, whatever they could, to watch them. And especially, as I said, the footballers uh, obviously improved a lot last year. Uh, Castlehaven had a fantastic win yesterday Brilliant. against Dingle in a penalty shootout. Nunkahalan doing something I think that no player ever did before in any court in that regard. So there's a there'll be a buoyancy and an optimism in Cock that they mightn't have seen for some time. And so there will be more and more people wanting to see the games. But as you say, as Larry said, they either go to the games or they'll still have to try and see them on the platform if they're available. Yeah, uh, Jamie wants to know, does Sean think this is a way for RTE to make money? Because at the end of the day, GAA <coughs> Go is 50% owned by RTE <coughs> and 50% owned by the GAA. So obviously they get 50% of the money. Yeah, and I think that's not a good thing either, quite frankly. And especially when they can get to select the games that are going to be televised and the games that are going to be on the platform uh, through Diego, I don't think that's a sensible way. And that just proves the point I'm making, that you're handing them over basically a monopoly. And even 18 years ago, when I was president of the I tried to break that monopoly. I said, monopoly is not good for anybody and it's not certainly good uh, for business. And I think competition is the life of trade. We just need to have competition. And while people were critical and understandably so, maybe when Sky came in, but at least it forced RTE to up their game and to bring in some new changes, etc. But if you have no competition, then you have the market yourself and basically you, you can convince yourself that you're the best in the world and there's no way of proving otherwise. Yeah, and a lot of people um, this year when the, the certain matches went behind the paywall, the amount of people on the Monday that were contacting us uh, because their broadband went down in the middle of it or their broadband wasn't strong enough and we had people up mountains trying to hold phones up high in order to get a decent broadband signal. I mean, we don't have broadband. I know you're at the airport there. Uh, we, we don't have good enough broadband in some rural areas. 
Yeah, absolutely, and it can things can break down for one reason or another. You mightn't have the broadband uh, on a particular day. You mightn't have an internet connection. Uh, maybe you can get a chance to to charge it. You know, there's so many things can go wrong, and uh, for that reason, I think especially people who haven't used to uh, using the paywall, it makes it very difficult for them. And I remember last year I was doing some work in relation to the whole digital e- area, and uh, it showed that 51% of Europeans do not have uh, basic digital skills as of yet. And yet we expect that the GA people, who are, of course, very intelligent, but uh, expecting them to have 100% to have digital skills when the rest of Europe is only 51%. That's a good point. Yeah, and Simon says, good to hear Sean Kelly uh, talk about the older people. It's so unfair on them. We have to remember these are the older people that were, that built the GAA. They were the ones that were out there supporting all of the matches back in back in the day when there was no such thing as seeing anything on uh, line. Well done. And I know Age Action uh, pointed out that 3 in 10 older people are, are not online. So there is a very vulnerable group there. Somebody else says, would Sean agree that nursing homes should have some kind of a, a free deal, at least for the older people in nursing homes, they'd be able to watch it? Yeah, I think uh, if things like that could be worked out, definitely, because, I mean... The game in Ireland is dependent on Irish people, essentially, one generation to the next. And the older generation in particular, it kept it going through thick and thin, and anything we could do to show appreciation for them. And often the only thing they can look forward to Mm. is the game from one week to the next. And I think we should be more cognizant of that and uh, being uh, generous in relation to how we deal with them, but above all, making the games available to them. That's number one. And secondly, then, as you say, maybe some concessions or something for nursing homes or that type of thing or for some some schemes of that nature, just to show appreciation uh, for those who essentially without whom the games would not be where they are today. Yeah, well said, well said. And just final one saying the people should stand together and not pay to see these matches. Shame on the GAA. <coughs> C103 do fantastic coverage of these games and we did point that out last week. All of those games that were mentioned, we will have full live uh, coverage. You can listen to it on the radio. Listen, Sean, thank you for that and thanks for joining us. Yeah, and you do do fantastic coverage. I was listening to you yesterday, actually. Good. For the game, Good. I, was, I was coming from Mallow and I turned on and there they were in full... Full go. Great. And I got the Finber McCarthy in them on the Castle, Castle Haven Dingle match. So, yeah, Europe Radio and a lot of radio stations around the country have done tremendous for the GA. And uh, without them, an awful lot of people would even be more disenfranchised than they feel at the moment. So, well done to you. Okay, thanks for that. Listen, have a safe travels, uh, Sean, and thanks, thanks for taking time out sure. to talk to us. That is uh, MEP for the South, uh, Sean Kelly, as you heard in the background, he's about to uh, board a flight. And he did mention Castlehaven, and we do want to send huge, huge congratulations to uh, Castlehaven, who've woken up this morning, the Munster Senior Football Championships after their match against Dingle uh, yesterday that went to uh, penalties. They really are uh, the pride of West Cork. So well done to everybody involved in uh, Castle Haven. And just when I'm sending out congratulations, can we also send congratulations to a group of students from St. Coleman's Community College in Middleton and the Clean Coast's Ballinamona group. They were declared the winner of the Clean Coast Hero Event Award. They were one of several awards which were presented to groups and individuals from all over Ireland at the Ocean Hero Awards ceremony. It was held 
recently in Dublin and it recognises the outstanding work to protect their local coastline and the environment and we know the terrific work that Clean Coast Ballinamona do and they've been hugely helped out by St. Colman's Community College in uh, Middleton whose uh, students go out and regularly do major, major clean-ups. So well done. That was a great award to pick up. Clean Coast's Heroes. I really was saddened to hear the news yesterday of the founder of the Jack and Jill uh, Children's Foundation, Jonathan Irwin, who I interviewed many, many times over the years. Uh, He passed away after a short illness uh, yesterday and the Jack and Jill Foundation remembering him as a man who suffered personal loss, but he turned his grief into a vision uh, to help others. He also, of course, was the former managing director of the Goths uh, sales company. He he was renowned as a a figure of change in the bloodstock uh, racing uh, industry and he was involved in a number of businesses but he always said that his most challenging and rewarding role that he ever did was his work with the Jack and Jill uh, Foundation. Uh, The foundation said Jonathan had led a wonderful life that has touched and supported so many families and he never tired of helping others right up until the very end and uh, he survived by his wife uh, Marianne O'Brien and their six children and of course he's predeceased he lost three sons so he carried a lot of crosses uh, in his life but he's left behind what a wonderful uh, legacy the Jack and Jill Children's Foundation that does remarkable work helping families and we have our own little Jack and Jill um, babies and Jack and Jill children here in uh, Cork and the families will talk about how important that foundation is uh, to them so we remember the late Jonathan Irwin and may he rest in peace. Before I get to some of your commentary coming into the programme beautiful beautiful email in from Margaret uh, O'Sullivan thank Thank you for this, uh, Margaret. Margaret was lucky to be one of our winners last week when we were giving tickets away to the Everyman uh, Panto. And Margaret went along with her family last Saturday. That's the tickets for the show were for last Saturday. And she writes in her email, it was a wonderful night from start to finish. Great storyline, lots of humour and some beautiful songs. We just sang and danced our way through the evening. My children, Daniel and Kate, absolutely loved it and really got caught up in the story and really enjoyed the cork humour and the beautiful costumes and the lighting effects. It was just magical to watch their faces take it all in, the acting and living the story story as it was told on a stage. We really are very lucky to have such wonderful event centres on our doorstep here in Cork. I cannot even begin to think how much work went into the Everyman Panto Beauty and the Beast this year and all the unseen work which I know there was plenty of in order to have everything running so smoothly. I wish to commend everybody involved and I highly recommend anyone to go along to Beauty and the Beast at the Everyman. That's if there's still tickets available at this time. Once again Patricia, thank you for giving us a magnificent Magnificent start to the Christmas of 2023. Isn't that lovely? That's a beautiful, a beautiful email. Thank you for that, Margaret. Glad to hear that you really enjoyed it. And I've actually asked John Paul to get that copy of your email sent on to the Everyman, and in particular to Catherine Mahan uh, Buckley who is the producer-director she of uh, CADA uh, fame and she is the one who is behind the pantomime in The Everyman. I'm I'm nearly sure, let me double-check, I'm absolutely sure that this year is Catherine Mahan Buckley's 29th panto 
that uh, she has been running. So next year is going to be a big year for her. It'll be her 30th, but it, it is wonderful. It's um, She always puts on a cracker of a show and everybody involved. You're right, the amount of work that goes on behind the scenes in order for a panto to get up there on stage and to run so as smoothly. So hopefully all the rest of our listeners who were lucky enough to win tickets enjoyed last Saturday night's event. But thank you to Margaret and uh, best wishes to you and your family for a happy Christmas and all the best for uh, 2024. Now, some of your calls coming in, we were talking about GAA and I was congratulating Castlehaven on their great win yesterday. Joe was on to say, Patricia, while you're sending out congratulations, will you congratulate uh, Kilnamartra? They won the Munster Premium Munster Premium Intermediate Football Final yesterday. It was against Mungret. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. They were a, Lim- a Limerick team. Uh, so Joe McSweeney wanting to say well done to everybody in Kildamartra. No doubt still celebrating today. And then on GAA Go that I spoke with MEP for the South, Sean Kelly, about Eddie in Mahan says the GAA Go was to facilitate those overseas who wouldn't be able to watch it here at home. So they'd be able to watch it away. It was never brought in. It was never introduced and never thought about that it would be introduced here in Ireland. And now we have it. Eddie's questioning that they go through a, a regulator to see if they can broadcast here and then charge for it. Well, yeah, I'm sure they did. Uh, but I mean, if you look at it, when the GAA started offering the service to Sky, people had to pay, had to pay for that as well. So, yeah, it, it is certainly all above board. But you are right. And Sean Kelly made that point as well. In 2014, when GAA Go was put in place, it was for the diaspora abroad. It was never envisaged. I I certainly heard nothing, uh, any kind of talk that it would be used here in Ireland and uh, that matches would go behind a paywall. Eleanor in Carrigaline said, would it be a good idea if pubs could gain money from it, if pubs were able to stream it, then they could charge people a few euros to go in, at least that way. The pubs would, would... generate some money out of it rather than the GAA and RTE making all of the money. And I don't know if if pubs actually do that. Do pubs pay the GAA Go subscription? They probably do and stream the match uh, locally. But did anybody, was anyone in a local pub where the GAA match was being streamed streamed on the big screen? And John Imalo says, well done to Sean Kelly for highlighting this. We need more politicians uh, to talk about it. And then Jim was on when I suggested could it be made free to nursing homes. Jim was on to say, Patricia, it is actually free to nursing homes, but well done to Sean Kelly for highlighting this about GAA Go. And well done to him, by the way, for introducing the All-Ireland Club Championships for junior clubs when he was president of the GAA. And my own club had the honour of going all the way to the All-Ireland and winning it, uh, says Jim. I was surprised to hear him say it's 18 years ago when he was president of the GAA. I didn't realise it was that uh, long ago. But then I did a quick check while the news was on about GAA Go and is it free to nursing homes because when I put it to Sean he wasn't aware of it he suggests that's something that could be looked at and Jim is right care facilities such as nursing homes and hospitals by the way can watch GAA Go exclusive games on GAA Go for free that what that happens is they get complimentary login codes which are distributed by the county boards so the county PROs, people have to contact them and nursing homes and hospitals did have free access this year and I'm assuming it'll be the same next year. So thank you, uh, Jim. Uh, we're glad to point that out. We were talking about public liability uh, cover and how 
the insurance, the Alliance for Insurance Reform saying claims have come down, but yet premiums are not coming down and they're still really, really high. Helen in uh, Ballinadee uh, reckons the government needs to start doing something about it. He, she reckons the insurance companies are taking money by stealth. Another name would be stealth and daylight robbery. If the Irish government is to stand by encouraging growth and prosperity for its people and for businesses operating in this country, then they need to look at this issue. Millions upon millions is spent on taxpayers' money every year to promote Ireland abroad. And of course, some of that needs to be done. But they need to promote people and businesses in Ireland, particularly needing help when it comes to public liability uh, cover. They are going out getting businesses, because, but surely that's an oversight. One wonders what hold of insurance companies have what hold have insurance companies have over the Irish government? Uh, are we to promote Ireland abroad for businesses and tourism only to come here and then be fleeced by these exorbitant public liability premiums, which have at least one zero too many at the end of the premium quote? The government needs to tell the insurance companies to start comparing us with the UK and Europe or else we won't pay at all. We surely are not 10 times more dangerous or reckless here. And no, we're the same as people in the UK and in Europe and therefore we have to be treated the same, not charged 10 times the uh, amount. Government need to fix it or people need to forgo paying public liability but people won't take the risk, Helen, that's the problem. Who's going to take the risk of operating a business without public liability insurance in case there was um, a, a claim? But I thought, listening to Brian Handley of the Alliance for Insurance Reform when he was giving the example of uh, quotes for public liability for different types of companies and the difference was staggering. And then I was thinking, I just didn't get a chance to make the point to Brian. Remember during the summer, was it the... Was it the uh, Ed Sheeran concerts, the difference in price with public liability cover here in the south compared to Ed Sheeran paying in the north or playing a gig in, in Wembley? And it was staggering, the difference. I mean, Helen is right. There is probably a zero or two too many at the end of some of the impre- premium quotes. Something needs to be done about it uh, for sure. 0818 103 103. And then some other issues that people want to raise. Darren in Mallow said roadworks are ongoing on the Cork to Mallow Road. There is a stop and go in place and traffic from Mallow to Cork will face delays. The works are ongoing, particularly near the Burnford Junction, just for anybody who is planning on travelling between Cork and Mallow. Be aware of that this week. There's a stop and go in place. Thank you for that. And actually somebody sent in a lovely uh, text and I haven't seen it lit yet. I saw it in daylight to say, oh, this is Mary. Oh my God, the reindeer that has been erected at the Mallow uh, Roundabout by Cork County Council I'm assuming have put it in place. It's absolutely beautiful. Uh, well done. I'm assuming it's the council maybe it's the traders in Mallow I don't know who's erected it. I saw a photograph of it lit and then uh, over the weekend I drove past it but it, was, it wasn't it was lit. But it's beautiful you see, because I saw them taking out all the flowers and the shrubbery that was there and I was wondering what they were going to do. So it's this big giant reindeer that's illuminated at at night. It really is uh, quite stunning. And we were talking about a cashless society and the fact that we now have the Minister for Finance, Michael McGrath, he is bringing forward legislation to make sure that cash is going to be protected in this country. One of the things it's going to mean is that banks and ATM operators are going to be forced uh, to reinstall cash machines that perhaps they took out of uh, villages and small towns. They need to make sure that people have access to money. And there's also going to be essential services who cannot 
open a business and put up a sign saying card only, they will always have to be able to, people will always have to have the ability to pay cash in, and there will be a list of essential services they're talking at the moment. Grocery shops and pharmacies are two obvious ones and also all of the government departments have been told that uh, anything under their uh, remit where if any kind of payments, there must always be the facility for uh, cash. So while a lot of people are moving out of cash and like to do everything electronically, we always we have to be able to facilitate people who only deal in cash. Well, Bernice was saying a shop that she shops in regularly in the city has self-service tills, but she's noticed after the the past two months, half of the tills are taking bank cards only. You know the way when you when you go to some of the self-service uh, tills, there will be signs that will say they take card and cash, but then some of them will only take cards. So she's noticing that there's more and more of them only taking card only. And what she's noticed, the downside to that is, when she's doing her shopping, uh, people in the queue are taking longer because they're trying to work out what they need to do, whereas when they were paying with cash, it was much quicker. She said is slowing it down and it's making her shopping trips a lot, a lot longer which isn't acceptable and I, I, I take it from Bernice's text that she's happy to use her card but it's other people who are slower when they're trying to navigate the using of the card only one so she's obviously in favour of allowing cash to remain in place 0818 103 103 our lines are open C103 Jobs An LCV tester for light commercial vehicles is wanted for a busy test centre on the Mallow Road in Cork. CVs, please, to garage at dcronenmotors.com. Community employment positions available in Fomoy, Kilworth and the Araglin areas. It's for environmental workers, caretaker and an assistant mute worker. If you qualify for community employment, Michelle O'Mahony is your contact at 87 a shop manager is wanted for a tool hire company in the Domanway area. Some experience with construction equipment would be an advantage. Call Vincent 086 83281570. And a full-time person is wanted for servicing vending machines with cold drinks and snacks. Now a company vehicle will be provided and it's in the general North Cork area. Call 087-411-9728 or you can email info at pulsevending.ie. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. And in our regular insurance uh, feature today, we are looking at the festive period ahead. And joining me as always, Paul McCavaney, Paul Cavanagh of McCarthy Insurance uh, Group. Good morning to you, Paul. Good morning, Patricia. And of course, we featured insurance on the programme earlier today when I was speaking with the Alliance for Insurance Reform, who are uh, critical of the public liability uh, insurance and how it's not coming down. What would be yes, your theory uh, I, on that? I, I listened with interest there to uh, Brian Hanley. He's the new man there heading up the uh, Alliance of Insurance Reform. And uh, yes, he is correct. Uh, the public liability is coming down, what I would say is slowly. It's coming down slowly. Uh, there's a number of different factors involved in that. Uh, we, as a brokerage, and a fully family Irish-owned brokerage, we have gone out 
uh, to other parts of Europe and found insurers out there willing to insure risks here in Ireland that were difficult to insure. And we have got reductions for people. Actually, one hotel group, we saved them up to 50,000 euros. Wow. So those statistics, I'm assuming that that client is not a member of the Alliance of Insurance Reform, but those statistics don't, don't, that happen, and I have many of them, are not beginning to feed through. This is a a slow burn, and I'll tell you why it's a slow burn. For example, on the 31st of October this year, we received a very large public liability claim going back to two years exactly, which is allowed within the current law, two years. You have two years to claim. Mm -hmm. And, and, And therefore, if you had asked me on the 30th of October, was there any claims on that policy, the answer was no. Whereas on the 31st of October, I'd say we're looking down the barrel of a gun at a or £200,000 claim. And that's the difficulty we have with a number of these businesses, uh, and not anybody in particular, but businesses are wide open to this, and we need the government to close this loophole off. Two years is too long. For if you, I mean, if you've been injured or if you've had an accident, just register the claim. This claim was only registered two yeah, years. It's, it's very unfair. It's very it's unfair very on, on the cost because think about it. We spoke to, to to this particular customer, and they're going, "I can't even remember what happened." Well, then. yeah, I couldn't remember what, what I did last week, let alone two years right. ago. And, and then would they? Yeah, would it's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. 
the CCTV footage Ron, would be Ron, ah, that's Ron. unfair. Yeah, it, it's unfair. So those those lines need to be aligned as well. And I'm not I'm not I'm not in any way sticking up on on behalf of the insurers. I speak on behalf of the brokers. I speak on behalf of McCarthy Insurance Group. And we are out there, and we have we are seeing premiums fall. It's difficult because as well. Wages and turnover have increased, and public liability and employers' liability is based on wages and turnover. So and you will see a number of businesses are keeping their premiums steady. And the big thing that I would put out there and ask all SMEs who are listening this morning, I guarantee you your rates bill is higher than your insurance by a considerable margin and multiple. So we're... We agree we're trying to get the premiums down. What we do find as well, Patricia, is when we get an insurer, for example, for a petrol station, uh, as we have found recently, and you can imagine the footfall, and there's a lot going on in the petrol station now. There's, there's the petrol, there's the shop, there's food, there's probably fuel as well being, you know, uh, mm-hmm. briquettes and, and timber and all that being sold as well. And we have got reductions for people in that community by finding a new insurer. But we have also found that a number of clients don't want to move to the new insurer. They prefer to stay where they are. And that's their privilege, of course. But you pay for the privilege. Are you happy with the work of PIAB, the Personal Injuries Assessment Board? I mean, they're showing I, I, their I, I, lowest I, I, figure in, in 16 years. I have always been a supporter of PIAB. I have, <laughs> I've had my arguments with them to get their facts right. But the facts now remain, and they were, they were in the Oireachtas last week, uh, the, the minister, um, um, Carol O'Neill, she came out with, with the figure that they are now, tw- it's 20 times dearer going to court than going to PIAB. 20 times dearer in, in, in the costs. So yes, of course, ev- my, my belief personally is that everything should go into PIAB. Everything. Yeah, because that's something we're going to cut down across. But how do we get rid of this litigious society? Somebody falls or has a trip, and they ring their solicitor before they even go to a doctor. Not everybody now, but that is out there. It, it is. It, 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 it is. It is calming a bit, but we're is still it? seeing. We're still seeing. Like the the biggest problem we have in insurance is foot is where there's footfall, trips and slips. There, yes, the numbers are down. There's, I'm putting my hand up here and saying quite correctly, the numbers are down and have been coming down, and that's brilliant. But we now need to see that transform, and we, need, we do need the minister to sit down with the insurance companies here, the members of Insurance Ireland, who the Alliance are talking about, and you all know their names, they're the household names, they're on television every night advertising. We need to get them to really come forward and make a statement on this. Okay, Dan says, why can't we have a law whereby a business is able to put a notice up in their shop, school, wherever, saying, if you went to our premises, you're not covered by insurance, you've got to get your own. Get rid of public liability. When you think about it, you can't really do that either. Do you know what I mean? In, sorry. in, in an ideal world, but no, no ideal, well, but that I mean, wouldn't work. I mean, sorry, uh, I would also point out to you that I have a claim up the country where the person paid €400 Euros and we're looking down the barrel of a gun at a £5 million payout. So you get well, the catastrophes. Okay, there are well. genuine, yeah, there are. It's, it's just if we could get rid of them. And it's just when you see them in the paper, some of the people who seem to be very unlucky with the amount of claims that they had, they seem to be tripping and falling all over the place. And I think it just irks people that there seems to be small proportion of people who almost make a living out of making claims. Well, they do because, as we used to say, if they get a taste of it, yeah, yeah. they'll go back to the truck. Okay, yeah, and that has to stop. To go. Okay, we want to talk about people getting ready uh, for Christmas. One of the first ones you're saying is make sure you've got everything you need. 
everything you need uh, in the house at, at present. I was just speaking to somebody in Clare yesterday, and the first thing I said is, have you, have you got a torch? Have you got enough fuel in? Have you got your phones charged up? Because they were looking down uh, yesterday, they were looking at, 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 a, at a blackout for electricity. And I was saying, make sure that you've got everything in, you know, and then obviously check your smoke alarm, change the battery in your smoke alarm, check your CO2 alarm. That's vital. And you were talking to somebody recently who was lucky enough to her, have enough alarm. Her, her life was saved because of it. Absolutely, yeah. and we're seeing that with, 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 with the fire service, we're in close contact with them. They keep telling us the same thing. Keep putting that message out there, Paul. Get your carbon monoxide alarm, your smoke alarm. Make sure that uh, they're working. Yeah, and actually I was up, I was uh, visiting my mother-in-law at the weekend and she got, she got uh, a brand new um, CO2, but it's a CO2 and a smoke alarm installed. Yes, and I thought, what, what a great idea. And actually, if, if you're looking for things to buy for people for Christmas, it's it's a nice little gift to give it's somebody. A lovely, to, yeah. It's a lovely little yeah. gift. And they're available everywhere. Yeah. Uh, no problem whatsoever. Get them. The other thing, and I got this done three weeks ago, get your chimney cleaned. Yeah. Please. And you know what? I'm enjoying the fire at night now. It's absolutely fantastic because since it got cleaned, it's going better. I don't know what it is, but there you go. Okay, so and then fire safety at Christmas, everybody. Oh well, like come candles on. are a great thing, and I love my candles. But you've got to be yeah. so careful with candles. You have to be so careful with them and make sure don't let them unattended. That's the big message on anything like that. Uh, the new Christmas lights are fine, the LEDs, but the old ones, lads, and as bulbs gone in them, they're still working. They're fine. They are dangerous, and you need to change them for the LEDs. That's my big message. The LEDs will not go on fire. The bulb will go on them and that's the end of it. You can't replace it, but they'll keep going and they're safe. Do not let any lights unattended. Do not let candles unattended or anything like that. And if you're going out, make sure, as I keep telling you, the burglar has not gone away. Make sure if you have an alarm, put on your alarm, please. Uh, and obviously, we 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 had a bit of cold weather the week before last, and and there is yep. the prospect that that will come back. Uh, frozen windscreens. Frozen windscreens are a huge thing. With the, we, obviously, we had two very cold mornings there, and all of a sudden, we had a surge in windscreen claims again. And why is it? Because look, thanks for the God, we haven't we haven't been getting those heavy frosts. I think the second one we got, we weren't even told it was coming. But anyway. You go out, your windscreen is frozen, you're in a rush, I'm late for work, I need to get moving, and you pour the boiling kettle up on top of the windscreen. Gone. That is a complete and utter no-no. Please. But I watched, I, I watched a video yesterday, it was from somewhere in Dublin, of a man who went out, frozen windscreen, so he had the car running, and he went back in to get something, and of course, an opportunistic thief spotted yes. it jumped into the car and, and drove away. You have to be really careful with, is idling it's called, you know, when you run the car? Idling, that, yeah. Yes, and, and come here, it, that's a complete no-no as well. I mean, because your insurance company, none of the insurance companies, and putting this out there now is a clear message to everybody. If you do that, you will not get paid for your car. And that car that I saw that video myself, that car is damaged, number one. The person is injured, number two. And number three, their car is gone. Because so he left the, he left it running with the door open. He left it running with the door open. Even with the door closed, it makes no difference. An insurance company used to have an ad on the television for something similar, and they had to take it down because the advertising standard said, one second, you don't cover that. That's not covered if you let the car idling. 
It's right, not so by any insurance company, so don't do it, lads. Otherwise, you'll, you'll face the rot and you'll have no cover. And that's not what we want. Okay, and then uh, people who might be heading away for Christmas, heading away for a few days, make sure your house is secure, I assume. Uh, make sure it's secure. Let, 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 let the heating on at maybe 10, 12 degrees, you know what I mean? That it'll only kick in if it gets very, very cold. But don't, you don't want to come back from your skiing holiday or your trip to the Canaries, you do, or even just your trip up to see family up the country. You don't want to come back to see water flowing out the door. We haven't had the cold frost periods, except for those two, two nights. We haven't had them in years, really, to be honest with you. We haven't had very cold weather. So if it comes back, and it's quite capable with the way all these weather patterns are changing, and I'm looking forward to you having, you'll have Carlo weather on, I'm sure, before yeah, yeah. to find out how that's going to pan out for Christmas. But we don't want that, and there's nothing worse than a burst pipe in the house at this time of the year. If there is, I'm telling people, as I said at the start, have everything ready. Your home emergency assist number, that number is on your policy or contact your broker to have that number ready. You see the ads in the television for it. Have that number ready so that you can ring somebody to stop it. Know where your stopcock is, which is vital. And a lot of us don't know where it is. So that's a little thing to do today. Yeah, you can switch off the water. Bring the water into the house. It could be just inside the door. It could be behind the cupboard. I found one recently in a, behind the kitchen. How the hell could he find it? But he found it anyway, uh, somewhere outside. So know where that is. Because yeah, because you don't want to be looking for it when the panic is happening and, and well, you get a burst. Okay. It's, it's like All right. the television, the water hitting the ceiling. Okay, listen, have a great Christmas, um, uh, Paul, and we'll chat you again in the new year. Same to you, Patricia, and all Take, your listeners. Happy Christmas. Take care. Bye-bye. That is uh, Paul Kavanagh of uh, McCarthy Insurance. OK, we have uh, another week of the C103's Christmas Covered Your Chance today to win a €500 Euro Super Value gift card. We want to get a qualifier on this programme. There was a qualifier on Breakfast with Ken. Nick will have another qualifier and then Martina will have the fourth and final uh, qualifier. So we need you to now start texting and WhatsApping your name and and address please to 0862103103 we'll leave it open for 10 minutes we will select one listener who will join me on air answer a simple Christmas question by answering that question you become today's uh, qualifier for this programme and then you need to keep your phone on after six today because you might just get that call back from Martina to tell you you are today's winner of a 500 euro super value gift uh, card but get texting now if you want to be in with a chance of qualifying for C103's Christmas coverage. C103's Christmas coverage. With Super Value gift cards. Perfect for every occasion. Available in store or online for e-gift cards that can be sent with a personal message. Search Super Value gift card. And I gave you your cue to text or WhatsApp. And can I say you did in your hundreds again uh, today. But only one listener can join us on air for a very quick question, a Christmassy question. Where am I going? I'm going West Cork to Clonakilty to Catherine Sutton. Good afternoon, Catherine. Good afternoon. And how are you today? I'm well, thank you. Have you, you all, all your shopping, Christmas shopping done or do you still have more to do? Well, I have a few bits to do, but I'm barely, I have most of it done. And would you be popping into Super Value at some stage? Absolutely, all the time. And you have the wonderful... You, oh, you've got, you've got scallies. Uh, I just... Every time I go to Clannacilty, I make it part of my trip is to go into scallies. I love that supermarket. Anyway, we digress. Quick question for you. Toy Story. Yes. 
was released in this month how many years ago? Was it six years ago or was it 26 years ago? It's been around a long time. Six oh, years ago or 26 years ago? What is the answer? 26 years? Well done. Well done. That means you are the qualifier for the programme today. You will go forward. Now, you need to keep your phone on after six, uh, Catherine, uh, okay. because you go into the hat and if your name comes out, you'll be getting that 500 euro super value gift card. That would be lovely. OK, listen, have a great Thank day. You. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Thank that you. is uh, Catherine Sutton in Clonakilty becoming our latest qualifier. We've had five winners last week and we're going for another five winners this week because in total for C103's Christmas Covered, we are planning on giving away €5,000 worth of Super Value gift cards. Your chance to win today, your chance to qualify with Nick this afternoon, another chance to qualify with Martina and then all four names going into the hat for one listener to walk away with the gift gift card uh, today. That's the C103's Christmas covered with your super value gift cards. 0818103103. We will clear the texts and WhatsApps now, uh, please, because I want to get some questions in for Annalise Drissel, our nutritional therapist. If there's something in particular you'd like Annalise to talk about today, now is your opportunity. You can call John Paul on 0818103103 or you can text her WhatsApp to 0862103103. Some of your commentary coming into the programme. Firstly, John says he was at the Tommy Fleming uh, concert. It was on in uh, Clonakilty last night. He said Father Tom Hayes was the MC and did the introduction and he also played the accordion beforehand. So credit where credit is due. Take a bow, Father Tom Hayes and the wonderful Tommy Fleming was in a concert in Clonakilty. Actually, he was talking to John Paul. Uh, Tommy's going to be joining us on the programme. I think it's this week. Is it this week? This Next week? Next week. No. Tomorrow. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to lip read. He's going to be on this week anyway. He's going because he's got some concerts. Uh, oh, it's tomorrow. Sorry, it is tomorrow. Yeah, it's uh, tomorrow after 12. Uh, so we will be speaking. We always love having Tommy on the programme. I know he's got a lot of fans. We might actually, I might get John Paul and we might play out that wonderful song that we always play on Christmas Eve, Tommy's Christmas song. I might remember to do that and we'll, we'll play that uh, tomorrow. The one about the the Christmas during the First World War when the Germans and the, the Allied troops put down there their weapons and they came and met in the middle of no man's land is that beautiful song anyway we'll talk with Tommy tomorrow on the programme we were talking about insurance uh, costs early earlier Dave in Cork makes the point why do we persistently compare ourselves to other countries when it comes to cost particularly when it comes to claims and the awards that are allocated in this country based on research a few years ago our claims paid out, they were four times higher in Cork than what people in the UK were, were, ge- were giving. But that's changed because of PIAP, because of the Personal Injuries Board, Dave, they have gone down. But even if you put them at four times higher, which seems crazy, why are the public liability premiums 10 times higher than when you, what you would what? you would pay in the uh, UK. It's just all not uh, adding up. 0818103103. And someone else says, Patricia, those people with serial injury insurance 
claims. They're like those who are the serial objectors to planning applications. Yeah, we saw that last week. Did you see that programme on primetime? It was truly, truly uh, shocking. 0818103103. And then a number of texts and calls in about Shane McGowan's funeral last week, which has been described by some as a rock and roll Hooli, others saying it has raised the bar for all future Irish funerals and it was an extraordinary service from start to a finish. Not everyone is happy with it. Some feel at the end of the day it's a church and that people weren't being very respectful, particularly people who were out dancing in the aisles during the during the actual funeral uh, service. Well, a lot of you enjoyed it. And someone says Shane McGowan's funeral was sad, but at the same time, it was always nice. I was at a funeral in Mill Street a few years ago and part of a set was a set dance was performed right in front of the altar. It was absolutely lovely to see. And by the way, we have a fantastic parish priest who allowed that to uh, go ahead. On Shane McGowan's uh, funeral, I thought it was absolutely a great send-off, says this texter. Didn't see it all, but I did think the dancing was a little bit strange and climbing over seats, perhaps some might see that as disrespectful. My thoughts were, when I watched some of the footage, was... What would the bishops make of all of this? I haven't seen any commentary from the bishops, but it would be interesting uh, to see what they did make of it. Uh, Mary says, ah, Patricia, ah, Patricia, would people ever get a life? Shane McGowan's funeral was a wonderful celebration. And if there was a more relaxed attitude by the Catholic Church, they would have a much increased attendance. And that's from Mary. Michael in Castletown Bear on a similar theme, says, I'm shocked actually, Patricia, that the late Shane McCown's funeral mass didn't command top slot on your programme this morning. Both dead and alive, Shane broke all the barriers. He set everyone alight in every public performance. I would commend both Father Pat Gilbert, who is the PP of Nina, and his bishop for breaking the solemn requiem at funerals. It's been a long time coming. Instead of weeping and wailing, it turned out to be a very powerful synopsis of his life during a beautiful mass. A life of joy expressed in music, song and folklore about a gentle soul who has gone to his great reward. It had shown to us the different lifestyles of this shy gentleman that Shane McGowan truly was. He said... Many a precedent during his life on earth and hopefully he'll be doing the same with the angels in heaven. He left a legacy that the Irish hierarchy will have to come to terms with. May his gentle soul rest in peace. And that's from uh, Michael in Castletown Bear. But then a listener takes a different, the other side of that. As I say, it, it certainly has Catholic opinion divided. This listener says, Hi Trish, I'm sick of hearing people say that something a bit different would get people back into Mass. The Mass at the end of the day is, in inverted commas, the Holy Mass and should be treated with quiet reverence. Also, what's with all these prayer meetings, etc. going on in parish halls? What's wrong with benediction? What's wrong with holy hours in front of the tabernacle? People are meeting in halls, having cups of tea, while our Lord is in the Blessed Sacrament, left alone for hours with no visitors. I myself have actually stopped going to Mass. This was about four months ago, and it was due to what I would describe as the shenanigans in our parish and the fact that the Pope has practically banned traditional Mass. 
This will be my first Christmas in 46 years that I won't attend Mass. I go into the church on my own when it's quiet and I say my own prayers and I hope that my God will understand and and I'm sure uh, he will. Okay, why, there's a lot to unpick there, why are there prayer groups going on in parish halls? Now, I could be open to correction on this. I would think it's probably got to do with energy costs because it's cheaper to heat a parish hall than to bring people into a prayer group inside a church, which is very, very expensive to heat. Could be wrong on that, but that would just be a guess that I would do. But I don't see anything wrong with getting a group of people together and having a cup of tea or a cup of coffee uh, afterwards because that's a social side to it and that will help with isolation. And it's in the church all about bringing people together and you can't have a cup of, a cup of tea or a coffee inside in, in the church uh, and isn't it nice to do it inside in a parish hall? So, so I don't know wh- wh- why you're so against prayer meetings in, in parish halls. I think it's just a nice way to get the community together. And I think probably that's what parish priests are trying to do. They're trying to integrate as many people from the community and try to work at stopping isolation because God knows due to COVID, we still have a lot of isolation and we still have a lot of people who are locked up inside in their houses, afraid to come out. And they just got out of the routine of maybe going to mass every Sunday, maybe going to their bridge, going to their card night, maybe going to their prayer group. And I think a lot of that has been done to try to encourage people to come back out into the world. Now, I could be completely wrong, but have others, um, are others against prayer meetings? And is this listener right? Rather than prayer meetings, you should be, what? Is benediction still on in churches? I should be back in doing uh, holy uh, hours. And I don't know what the shenanigans that were going on in this listener's parish, but it's actually turned this listener from going into Mass, doesn't go to Mass anymore. 0818 103 103. John Paul's taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council, reminding you to support local when choosing gifts this Christmas. Donnerail Active Retirement, they're meeting this afternoon at 2 uh, for their final chair yoga class and that will be followed by an afternoon of crafts. And this Christmas, Anam Cara is asking everyone to light up their virtual Christmas tree with a special light of love. It's a memory of a loved one. You do it by donating. You'll be helping Anam Cara who work with bereaved parents all over Ireland to get involved. Check out their website which is www.anamcara.ie The Irish Heart Foundation and the Marie Keating Foundation are having their mobile unit at Curran Mart in Formoy tomorrow. They're offering free health checks and advice and they'll be there tomorrow morning from 10am until 2 in the afternoon. The Cork College of Further Education are holding an open morning at their Bandon Centre this Wednesday from 10am to 1pm. It's a chance to meet the team and to see the courses that are on offer at the centre. And students of Skullwira in Canturk are presenting Greece. It runs from Wednesday to Friday of this week. Doors open at 7 and the admission is €10. And sponsorship cards are now available for the Skull Christmas Day Swim. It's in aid of Cope Foundation. You can get more details from skullchristmasswim at gmail.com. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. The 241 Blackwater Motors, all electric or a funky cat. An amazing car from €29,995. Euro. Choose your aura funky cat at blackwatermotors.ie. 
Get ready this Christmas with Dyson at Brown Thomas and Arnott's. Save up to 20% off Dyson hair care range, including Airwrap, Supersonic and Corral. Just in time for gifting season. Shop exclusive offers in-store and online at brownthomas.com and arnott's.ie. Get them the gifts they'll really love at Harvey Norman. Give the gift of the perfect hair with great deals on Dyson hair care. Now in a limited edition color, blue blush, like the Dyson Air app. Perfect for drying, styling and curling. Just 549. Or gift them the Dyson Supersonic hair dryer for controlled styling with less heat damage. Just 399. Shop in store today or online at harveynorman.ie for two hour click and collect. And with our best prices guaranteed, why shop anywhere else? Christmas gifting with Harvey Norman. Maybe you're finally on a date again, six months after your divorce. Or maybe you and your better half are wondering whether a cuddle could be more than a cuddle. Or perhaps you'd like to tell a woman you're absolutely mad about that you don't feel like it tonight. There are lots of times and places where we need to say what we want and what we don't want. Whatever the moment, have the consent conversation. A message from the Government of Ireland. When I'm with my family, I pretend I'm totally fine, even when I'm not. I just don't want to worry anyone. At Jigsaw, we stand beside children like Aoife. And we support parents. Parents who never give up, who share the burden and shoulder the pain. We are here, and now we need your help to stay here. Please donate at jigsaw.ie and be the reason no child feels alone this Christmas. C103. Warming up your home this winter with new season curtains and bedding. View in-store at Turner's Cross Retail Park or at harrycarry.com. Harry Curry, see what's in store. We're playing all your favourite Christmas hits after 1pm on C103 with your local mace. Savings with a smile all through the Christmas season. I can see a lot of people agreeing with the, the lengthy comment that came in from Michael in Castletown uh, Bear who just spoke about the late great Jane McGowan and how wonderful the funeral mass was because it was an expression of uh, it was a life of joy expressed in music song and a uh, folklore a lot of people agreeing with uh, Michael and saying, saying he summed it up beautifully uh, Tom says Patricia you know what they say about begrudgers it was a fantastic funeral of a true uh, genius and hi Patricia I thought Jane McGowan's funeral was wonderful Father Pat Gilbert that's the Nina Parish Priest gave a very meaningful ceremony and some of the celebrity guests communicated the readings in a very meaningful way so I think certainly and this isn't scientific but looking at the reaction from our listeners this morning uh, more people enjoyed it that didn't uh, enjoy it and more saw more people saw the positive and that it was just a great uh, celebration of a life that was well lived by uh, Shane McGowan so thank you for that keep your questions coming please for I'm, I'm smiling at a text that's just come in. Keep your questions coming for um, Annalise Drissel, our nutritional therapist. You can text her WhatsApp in a question or you can call John Paul 0818 103 103. And someone says, funeral mass, I really want Freddie Mercury, so I want to break free as a song to be played at my funeral. Okay, <laughs> that made me laugh. Um, I love it this time of the year when they look back at Google and what did we Google about during uh, the year and the Barbie movie 
Oppenheimer and the Rugby World Cup. No surprise, they dominated the Irish Google searches for 2023 and it's showing there has been, thankfully for the cinemas, a huge return to the cinema and God knows they badly needed it after uh, COVID and there had been a real, real slump in people attending uh, cinemas but Christopher Nolan's uh, bio a biopic Oppenheimer about the scientist behind the atomic bomb and the fictional retelling of the globe's most famous doll, Barbie, is seemingly reignited Ireland's love for going to the movies. And of course, Oppenheimer starred County Cork's own Killian uh, Murphy. That led the way with Irish fans making Oppenheimer the most searched movie ahead of Barbie, which starred Margot Robbie. That came in second. And Killian Murphy fans were keen to research before going to the cinema. And one of the top questions is, what is Oppenheimer about? And the other Irish favourites, The Banshees of Inna Sheeran, starring Colin Farrell and Brian Gleeson. I love that movie. That came in third on the most searched film on Google for this year. And of course, no real surprise that the Rugby World Cup and the FIFA Women's World Cup, they placed in the top two sports Google searches. And that, of course, has a lot to do with the fact that we participated, Ireland participated in both of those major competitions. Ireland's passion for rugby was also evident in the how-to watch the Rugby World Cup. That was one of the most searched uh, questions. And then they always look back on the list of people who've passed away during the year. And a lot of people go to Google to remind themselves of the person. Sinead O'Connor was the most searched person when it came to the losses uh, list. She, of course, uh, passed away in uh, July and was mourned by fans all over the world, but particularly in this uh, country. I've mentioned uh, Shane McGowan. He only died in November. He also featured on the list. Now, I think a lot of that had to do with that vibrant uh, funeral last Friday. The Aslan singer, Christy Dignam, he died in June. He was also on the most searched uh, list. And then Ireland also featured for life stories on the former Friends actor, Matthew Perry. Remember Matthew Perry from Friends? He died in October. Tina Turner is in that list and so is Lisa Marie Presley because they both passed away this year. And then the last of us. This is an American post-apocalyptic TV show that doesn't register with me. I don't know what that show is. That was the most searched under the entertainment uh, section. But something I fell in love with was the Welcome to Wrexham documentary. That's the documentary about the Hollywood stars, Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney and their taking over of Wrexham FC. That was one of the most searched. Not surprising. I think I did a lot of Googling on Wrexham uh, this year, followed by the RTE's gangland and drama Kin. That was a great, great programme. And the US murder mystery The White Lotus, that was also top of uh, the list. The most searched person, Russell Brand, dare I say for all the wrong reasons. The former RTE Late Show host, Ryan Tuberty, he was among the most searched people uh, along with his replacement, Patrick Keelty. And then under uh, TikTok, showing its brand power, Viking Toast became the most searched recipe. That was after the 
snack went viral on a variety on the, the particularly on the TikTok social media platform. I had to do a Google search this morning of Viking toast to find out what it is. And I have to say, it looks like something my late mother used to make, but we used to call it Welsh rarebit. It basically is cheese on toast, but you add a little bit more. It's got chopped onion in it. I don't think my mother used to put chopped onion into our Welsh rarebit, but it's got chopped onion. It's got grated cheese, a teaspoon of Worcester sauce, a pinch of mustard powder. You can also add milk and egg and you do it all on toast and it looks absolutely delicious. And they actually have it down as if you if you use reduced fat mature cheddar cheese and if you lose, use a, a low fat spray, it's actually down as one of those healthy options for lunch. So that was the most googled how to make Viking toast. Coldplay was the most searched music act in Ireland, followed by Sam Smith and Taylor Swift. Now I can understand Coldplay and Taylor Swift because of course two of them, both of them are coming next year as part of their major uh, tours. And then the most searched how to was how to claim rent tax credit. And I'm glad to see that because it was a really low pickup in people claiming their rent tax uh, credit. And that's got a lot to do with uh, people trying to come to terms with the cost of living. And then a a porn star martini was the most searched drink recipe with the how to drink a porn star Martini was the fourth most uh, popular question and I'm a big fan of porn star martinis. How do I drink it? It comes with a little shot of champagne or Prosecco. I always throw it into my porn star martini. That's the way I like to drink it. Others like to take the shot separately. 0818 A little bit of fun on a Monday. The most Googled searches for 2023. Well, it'll be completely different uh, next year. You're listening to C103's Cork Today podcast. Phone and text lines are currently closed. We're off to uh, the Health Hub Times Square in Balancholic, where our nutritional therapist, Annalise Drussell, uh, joins me. Good afternoon to you, Annalise. Good afternoon, Patricia. And you're, you're very welcome. The amount of people who've contacted us about a cough that they can't shake. And John Paul tells me you've got one as well that you're yep. finding hard to uh, shake. It, 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 what's your advice? Very- yeah, listen, I believe me, I've uh, having tried nearly everything myself, um, it's a very, very sticky cough and I've noticed it hugely in customers as well. And it seems to be a strange cough in that there's not a lot of mucus. It's like um, a, nearly a barking cough. Um, and a lot of people who have it don't have any mucus, so the chest seems to be clear. And what makes me think that then is happening is that it's actually the tissue of the lungs has become inflamed and is is just, that's what's causing the cough. Um, So, like, I suppose there's two ways of approaching it, Patricia. Firstly, anyway, I would recommend for either, whether it's a dry cough and tickly and barking, or whether it's got mucus, I would recommend for everybody to take NAC, which is um, short for N-acetylcysteine, and that is a fantastic natural anti-inflammatory for the lungs. Um, Then I would say, if you've got that mucusy cough, I would take the Dr. Claire Congestion Blend. And if you have um, a dry cough, I would take the Dr. Claire Mucotone. Um, and the Mucotone is better, really, in that it's got herbs in there that will support and boost your immune system function, whereas the Congestion Blend really is more about drying up the mucus. So um, kind of judge yourself which one you feel would be the best suited to that. And then I'm also recommending that people take a cough bottle when they've got the cough 
just to soothe them because you know when you go into those paroxysms of coughing and you can't stop yeah. I think that nearly sets up your it irritates all that tissue even more so you're more likely then to cough um, and I've, I've been taking the Comvita Manuka Honey Elixir I love that one but also another lovely one that I've taken in the past is the Pucca uh, Elderberry Syrup and that's another very good one and then the last one that's quite good as well is the Irish Botanical uh, the Botanical Syrup so the three of those are very good cough bottles and I don't take them as they recommend. I take them when I start coughing to try and suppress the cough mechanism and to prevent myself getting all inflamed and irritated from too much cough. Yeah, like I, I saw uh, one of the questions in with somebody was saying that the cough, the, it's a dry cough exactly, a hacking cough exactly, what you, what you described. And uh, this uh, listener said her, her ribs are even sore from Absolutely. the coughing. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, it just, I've, I've got customers who've had it for a month now, Patricia, so it does seem to be very lingering. Yeah. And I know that after COVID, you know, there was a lot of people who had respiratory difficulties after COVID. And I've never been able to find a professional who's given me a good um, reason for it. But I think there are receptors in the lungs that I think must be damaged by the spike protein of COVID. Um, they're called ACE receptors. Um, and they're responsible for kidneys as well, because I would have seen a huge amount of kidney infections from people after COVID or even sometimes after getting the COVID vaccine. Um, and I wonder, is it something to do with that? Have those receptors been damaged in some way? So like I have developed asthma from COVID where I had absolutely no COVID symptoms whatsoever, but I did develop asthma as a result of it. So it's definitely, I, whatever is going around, it's damaging, I think, at a very cellular level in the lungs. Yeah, it's still all so new. I mean, I know we've come out from the pandemic, but we're still only learning about it. Absolutely, actually. And I was just saying to John Paul as well, for the first time, actually, really publicly, the uh, inquiry in the UK now, they're talking about openly about COVID more than likely uh, being, you know, a man-made virus that was um, escaped from the labs in Wuhan. So you see, if it's been man-made, it's not like something that would have evolved naturally. And I'd say it's just extremely sticky. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 been probably engineered to be very infectious, which yeah. was who COVID was, and very sticky. So we just have to learn how to deal with the fallout now. Yeah. Okay, Mary's on to say, uh, hi, Patricia, could you ask Annalise? I've been diagnosed with diverticulitis. I've been prescribed Alflorex probiotic. The diagnosis can interrupt my daily routine without going into horrible details, but just one is uncontrollable flatulence. Could you please ask Annalise what you would recommend? Any advice, please? Diverticulitis. Okay, so um, they may or may not be related in actual fact. So diverticulitis is where the smooth muscle of the intestine becomes weak and it blows out into a sort of kind of a little pouch. So that muscle should be very strong because the the job of that muscle is to contract and relax to be able to push out waste matter when you go to the loo. But if it becomes weak and you get little pouches, sometimes food um, or other undigested particles can get stuck in there and then it rots and it gets infected. And that's what diverticulitis is. It's when the diverticulosis is where the pouches form and itis is where it becomes inflamed and infected. So mostly it's treated with an antibiotic and a lot of people who take antibiotics actually would develop flatulence afterwards because it affects the population of bacteria in the colon. So the first thing I would recommend, now it sounds to me like this person as well possibly is running to the loo uh, if it's saying it affects their life. Um, most people with diverticulitis generally would suffer more constipation and then some people possibly would have diarrhea. So 
I think you need to look at a full kind of a gut healing approach to the problem, which would be, first and foremost, make sure that you're having a well-formed bowel movement every day. So if you've got diarrhea, take something like Saccharomyces boulardii, which is a probiotic particularly good for people who suffer from IBS diarrhea. Um, the, and then if it's more constipation, Make sure that you have a daily bowel movement by taking either a natural laxative like aloe vera or magnesium or rhubarb. And then the psyllium husk is a really good gentle fiber to help you go um, to the loo as a natural laxative without it being, you know, explosive or, or urgent. So the psyllium husk you can buy in any health shop and you just add a big spoon of it onto your porridge or breakfast cereal in the morning. So that resolves those two issues. And then you probably do need a type of probiotic and Alflurex is one that's often recommended. But in my experience, it's not enough because it's only one very particular strain of one type of bacteria. And especially after an antibiotic, you need something that is going to replace all the other bacteria that have been damaged. So I'd go for something like um, the Udo Super 8 is very good or they do an adult blend. BioCult is not a bad one. There's an excellent one by Nature's Plus called Immune Bi- Microbiome. They've got about 14 or 15 different strains of probiotic in there. So they're going to kind of replace all the ones that might have been uh, damaged by the antibiotic. And then in terms of the flatulence, you can address that in two ways. The first way, long term, the other previous things I've mentioned will help. But in the short term, um, activated charcoal is really, really good if you suffer from flatulence. Now, it's a bit of pain in the neck because you have to take a teaspoon in uh, a glass of water, very drink it very quickly before you eat, and again about half an hour after you eat every meal. But it does mean that if you need to go out or you want to go somewhere and you don't want to be embarrassing yourself or worrying if you're going to have excess flatulence, it will definitely take care of that. So you can buy it in powder or capsules and you'll get it in any health shop. It's called activated charcoal. Okay, Mary's in Castle Magna. She has what she describes as a very itchy scalp. Now, should I had a kidney removed a number of years ago, could it be connected in any way? What would you advise for an itchy scalp? Um, it may or may not be, probably not really, Patricia. So an itchy scalp, in my experience, is either an allergic kind of response to um, generally a chemical that's in your shampoo. The most common one is called sodium lauryl sulfate. And they add it to toothpaste and they add it to body washes and shampoo as a kind of a foaming agent. And a lot of people are allergic. So getting a shampoo without that in it would be the first step. Um, there's two very good shampoos we normally recommend. One of them is called Hope's Relief. And the other one is the Dr. Vogel Neem Shampoo. So they would be naturally free of sodium lauryl sulfate and other chemicals, and they're very soothing for an itchy scalp. If that doesn't shift it, then it's probably not that allergic dermatitis. It's probably more a fungal type of a dandruff that just is itchy as well. In that case, I recommend that people use grapefruit seed extract. You can buy it as a liquid. The company that do it, it's called um, Higher Nature Citricidal. And it comes in a liquid form that you can add to a small little bit of water, massage it into your scalp and let it sit in your scalp for about 15 minutes and wash your hair as usual. And that will clear up any kind of fungal stuff on the scalp. And once it's clear, you can maintain it and keep it clear by just adding a few drops of that citricidal to your normal shampoo. Okay, stay on hair. Somebody's wondering what would be the cause of sudden hair fallout. I'm on a cholesterol tablet and I was recently on an antibiotic. So it would be actually very common, Patricia, after having a bad viral infection or being ill. A lot of women experience it hormonally, so pregnancy, menopause. In actual fact, a lot of people who had COVID um, 
particularly younger people as well, I noticed, had um, very a lot of problems with the hair falling out and thinning and not growing back. So it's very, very common after uh, being sick. I think if it's falling out and thinning on the scalp, the best one is the Norcrin. It's spelled N-O-U-R-K-R-I-N. I've seen it work for lots of my customers, and actually I took it myself when my own hair started thinning, and it worked really well for me. And it's a type of a protein that's been discovered that seems to kickstart the hair follicles that have gone dormant and no longer growing back into growth phase. So you could try that, but if it's the quality of your hair that's suffering, you've plenty hair on your head, but it's just very weak and limp, then biotin is better for that. And you want a fairly high dose, about 5,000 micrograms, which you'll be able to get no problem in any health shop. And if you do feel that you're a little bit run down, taking a tonic is certainly no harm. The Source of Life Gold is great. Um, But even just a general multivitamin, that'll give you lots of things to support hair growth and immune system function like zinc and vitamin C and vitamin D that all be very important for hair growth. Um, You could just give yourself a little boost by taking that for a month or two as well. Okay. Hi, Annalise. I'm 60 years of of age and suffering from night sweats of late while I was asleep. Now, I had my blood done about two weeks ago and everything was fine. What would you recommend? Sorry, what, Patricia, age? Uh, 60. 60. 60. Yeah, again, now, um, this is something I've only noticed with my customers, is that a lot of uh, people are getting sweats, having had that bad virus recently, and the sweats are still remaining. So even three or four weeks later, they still, if they're doing anything of any type of exertion, they may end up getting sweats. So possibly, if you've had a virus recently, it's a fallout from that. Sometimes as well, if your immune system is battling something, you will get the sweats. And then the last reason that it could be is it could be hormonal, even at the age of 60, even after you've gone through the, the menopause. You know, you could still get fluctuations in hormone levels at that age, especially if you're going through a very busy or a very stressful time. So if it is uh, viral, I mean, again, that's mostly about supporting your immune system, taking a good um supplement that has everything in there like uh, I love the Nature's Plus Immune Boost is a really good one um, one nutrition do one called P4 Immune it's really good uh, another one um, is um, even just the BioNutri Elderberry Complex that's great for an immune boost but if you think it's more likely to be hormonal Sage is your answer it's fantastic for hot sweats if that's if, if it's a hormonal Okay and stay on menopause uh, Hi could Annalise help by suggesting something to help with menopausal weight? I'm not in any supplements at the moment what would she suggest when my only symptom is I'm very bloated Okay so yeah the the bloating definitely a probiotic would help with that Patricia I think um, and some of this actually a lovely supplement um, by made by an Irish pharmacist lady and they're called Fab U and she does a menopause support that's that's made mainly from a type of mushroom with a few other bits added in there. And mushrooms are wonderful in a roundabout way for the gut. They really encourage the growth of the beneficial bacteria in our gut. Plus you get all the other benefits from it as well. So that could be something that might help with the bloating. I think also our digestion as we get a bit older becomes less efficient. So taking a digestive enzyme with your food can cut down on bloating. And you'll get lots of, you'll get very basic ones and very complex ones in the health shop. They'll be able to help you decide which the best one for you is. Um, But um, the weight, I actually was listening to a very interesting American doctor talk about weight in menopause. And 
really like for women our metabolism slows down hugely but we also start putting weight on around the middle and it's actually a very healthy type of weight um, in if it's not of excess because it actually starts producing a little bit of estrogen and um, that weight that we have around the middle so it does help prop up our own dropping hormone levels um, and she also made the point that it's exceptionally hard to lose the weight once you're menopausal so my own experience from with clients and customers, I think the best thing to do really is to cut down on carbohydrates. So cut out your bread, your pasta, your rice, all of your sweet things, and just make sure that your diet is full of good quality proteins and lots and lots of vegetables. Okay. Thanks a million. That is Annalise Russell. And Annalise will put up all of the items that she mentioned today on her website, healthhubstore.com, as heard on the radio. And John Paul will put it up as a separate podcast here on C103. That's where I leave you for today. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon and we're back with you tomorrow morning at 10. Until then, I'm Patricia Messenger. Very good afternoon. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. See MIG.ie.